to another episode of The Recap. I'm your host, Wayne Wilkerson. Thank you for joining me, as always. All right, I know this podcast is a couple of days late, but I still want to get it out there. Uh, just had some things come up, but hey, that's life. I thought I'd be slick and try to analyze these exhibition games for the women, and it just really wasn't worth it. Jewel Lloyd of the Seattle Storm, the gold model herself, summed it up quite perfectly when she said, that the U.S. select team is probably the second best basketball team in the world. And honest to God, that is the truth. Because there is not one other country I've seen so far that comes close to being the U.S. And actually, that holds true for both the men and the women's team. Because the talent gap between the U.S. and the rest of the world stretches the depths of the ocean. I am not exaggerating about that. Even Zach Lowe on his podcast earlier last week with Mark Stein was talking about this, how the U.S. just dominates in basketball, similar to like how some European countries and South American countries, they just produce great soccer players generation after generation after generation. It's just part of their blood. And that's what basketball here is with the U.S. It's just something that we dominate. And I realize there's a lot of international talent. And they're coming into both the NBA and the WNBA every single year. And that's a great thing. But those are still outliers for the most part. The only thing I will say is just keep an eye out for these countries. Because basketball's popularity is growing year after year. In places like China, uh, Argentina, Spain, France, those countries. They are crazy for basketball. It's probably their second favorite sport behind soccer right now. So... Don't be surprised if the U.S. falls a peg or two, but for right now, the U.S. is dominating the sport. I would say the only country that comes close to giving the U.S. any competition, at least in terms of women's basketball, would have to be Australia. So while this is USA's sixth run at the goal, they've won it for the past five Olympics, won 40 games, and this will be their sixth, uh, sixth gold medal should they win, which is going to happen but um it's going to be australia they have been the second place uh, the silver winner for the past four of the five olympics so if there's anyone that's gonna make them sweat a little bit it's gonna be the aussies actually i do want to talk about the game so uh the u.s trounced australia 104 to 89 but it was definitely the most competitive game out of all the other games aside from the select team and i'll talk about that one later so I went into this game, I didn't know any other players. I mean, aside from Penny Taylor and Aaron Phillips, I didn't know anyone else. And speaking of Penny Taylor, it was good to see her back in action because she didn't play for the past, ooh, I want to say three weeks from that hip contusion. So it was good to see her back in action, especially after she made the announcement that this would be her last year and she wants to go out with the gold or winning a WNBA championship. And sadly, none of those things are going to happen. Uh, but, I mean, she's won three WNBA championships, uh, a couple of gold medals other places, so she'll be fine. She's had a great life. I'm just happy that I've got a chance to see her play, not only on TV, but I got to see her play live. So I feel very fortunate that I did get to see her play. It's uh, definitely been a pleasure. Anyway, back to this game. As I was saying, I didn't know anyone else on this team, but there were two players who did pass my eyeball test. Uh, when I saw them play, I took notice of them. Definitely had to find out who they are. 
And those two players were Lilani Mitchell and Elizabeth Kambaje. And surprise, surprise, they were both former WNBA players. In the case of Lilani Mitchell, actually, she's a product of my own backyard here in Washington. Uh, she played for some school in the middle of Washington called Kennewick. So she had many of her formative years playing basketball here in the States. And she actually spent a good, ooh, let me see, five, six years with the New York Liberty and played for the Phoenix Mercury last year. So she's actually a product of playing basketball here in the States. But what made me notice Lilani Mitchell was that she's this very efficient ball handler. She's the only person on an Australia team who's an efficient slash kick slash shoot type player because no one else on that Opals team could do that. Because honestly, they're cookie cutter shooting guards for the most part. She's the only player that has any sort of versatile explosiveness and is able to cut to the basket that way, which is very impressive. She's definitely a player, I think, that needs to be back in the WNBA because of how effective she could be. She would be a good fit for a team like the Connecticut Sun. I could definitely see her in that Kurt Miller system or even going back to Phoenix as a backup to Candace Dupree. So I really would like to see how she develops because she is young. She's only 23, 24. And it would be nice to see her play in a league again. And Elizabeth Kambaje is just a giant. Standing at 6'9", weighing at 250 pounds, really was an effective post player because she really didn't have to move. She could just stand there and she was very great at blocking it and causing a lot of problems for the U.S. team initially. The problem with Kabaje is that she just lacks speed and versatility. She's not able to move her feet and get to the places that she needs to be to be able to dominate that space. But honestly, when you're that big, all you really need to do is just block, shoot, and grab rebounds. And she did that in this game. She had 22 points, grabbed eight rebounds, but again, just that lack of speed because Griner, Fouls, they were just able to just dribble around her and get the easy layup. But if she was able to shovel her feet just a little bit better, a little bit more gracefully, she would be able to at least try to anticipate those shots to either block them or cut off those driving lanes earlier. I do have faith that she can work on that because she is only 23 years old. So there is time for her to develop that part of the game. She will be a great fit for a team such as a San Antonio or even the Mercury. But aside from those two players, there was no one else on Australia that I really took notice of. Speaking of our roster choices, was surprised to see that Rebecca Allen was on the team. But after I dug around, she actually opted out of the Olympic team so she could focus her time with the New York Liberty. I'm not sure if Jenna O'Hay tried out or not. I couldn't find any information about that. I think she would have been a better addition than some of the other shooters they had on the team. And Abby Bishop, surprisingly, didn't even make the cut. That was a strange one. But back to the game. Australia actually came out the gate playing fairly solid. They were composed. They had a solid game plan. And actually led most of the game for the first quarter. Did most of the damage from the perimeter and using Kampage. But uh, that all ended in the second quarter. Because once the U.S. got started, there was no looking back. Uh, Penny Taylor actually had a somewhat decent game. She got frustrated in a third a little bit and she just started to step it up even though she stepped up that was not enough to generate any sort of flow with the rest of her team the U.S. continued just to run all over them and that was it even though it was a blowout I, I still think Australia is a pretty good team and I do think they have the best chance of making the U.S. sweat a little bit but uh, again when it's all said and done this is going to be a solid lock win for the U.S. team 
The only other game worth noting was the Canada game, which the US won 83 to 43. It was just how terrible Canada shot. They shot below 30%, made some terrible shot selections, just could not get on the same page. They were getting tripped up on simple screens. It was just sad basketball. It was so sad that even a crowd watching the game just could not generate any sort of enthusiasm and cheer. It was just really quiet the entire run of that game. It was kind of sad to see, but there was one bright spot in the entire Canada game. The player named Mia Maria Langlos, 24-year-old player, went for 18 points, one rebound, three assists, one block. A nice, efficient slasher, able to go in the hole, doesn't have any fear about working in the paint. Like what I saw to her, definitely another player I could see working in that sort of Phoenix like in New York or LA or even maybe Indiana. But I would really like to see her in the league. I mean, she was the only player on that Canada team that was worth taking notice of. Moved the ball efficiently, took some very smart shots, uh, was great defensively as well. Would like to see more out of her. I think she could definitely be a good fit as well. But otherwise, it was just a sad game all around for Canada. Dared not even worth the afterthought. Like I said, the only game really worth note was that U.S. select team versus the national team. And oh my goodness, Jewel Lloyd, she is going to be a future superstar. She always brings it. I have never seen Jewel Lloyd not be engaged when she plays the game. It is such a joy to watch her play. And this was definitely one of the best games I've seen her play all year so far. 20 points, 3 rebounds, 7 assists. Up behind her was Odyssey Sims, had a surprisingly good game, 17 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, but the real breakout player was actually Natasha Howard. Now she didn't play for most of the first half of the game, but the second half of the game, once she got into the game, she was only in for 15 minutes, but she did a lot of goddamn work in that 15 minutes, 24 points, four rebounds, and she was just on fire. Definitely a diamond in the rough for that Minnesota Lynx team. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Coach Reeve was impressed while seeing Natasha Howard break out like that. Just another piece in that war chest for the Minnesota Lynx. If Howard is able to keep up at that click once the midseason break-ins, Minnesota is going to have some very interesting rotations they can play with going forward. So just keep an eye out for her. On a surprising note, a quiet night for players like Stephanie Dolson, Elizabeth Williams, uh, the New York crew of Sugar Rogers and Kia Stokes did not have the best game. I mean, they got their work in. They got two to four points each, but still a relatively quiet night for those players. Uh, but for the most part, that game was, it was pretty much a head-to-head -head battle between the U.S. and the select team. Now, the select team could have won that game, and they actually should have won the game had they not made a few rookie mistakes. The frustration fouls, etc. Overall, it was a well-played game. This future wave of players are going to be amazing for the 2020 Olympics, and I see them easily going for that seventh goal. And that pretty much covers all the exhibition games. I didn't catch the France game, but from all the clips and videos I've seen, that game was essentially just like the Canada game. The Olympic ceremony kicks off tomorrow, and the women play on Sunday and Monday. They actually have a back-to-back -back game. First up is Senegal, which is... Pfft, that's a team they can sleepwalk through. I'm not worried about that. Uh, but they play Spain on Monday. And Spain may actually be a little bit tricky. And back-to-back -back games are kind of tough. So the U.S. are going to win, all right? That, that's just hands down going to happen. But don't be surprised if they're slow coming out the gate when they play Spain on Monday. 
And then there's a few other games over the course of the week, but I'll talk about those later. Anyway, um, I'm going to cut this short this week. Like I said, this is going to be a short podcast. I just want to get this one out there. And uh, next week I will cover, um, let's see, I think I'll just cover the Spain and Senegal game. But it really depends on how my time works out. Worst comes to worst, I'll put out another podcast and it'll just be later in the week, maybe a Friday or Saturday, and I'll just cover all those games. And that'll do it for this week. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, as usual, just email me. And also, I am on iTunes now. I am officially on iTunes. Oh my gosh, this is actually starting to feel like a real podcast or a legitimate thing. Anyway, uh, you can find me on iTunes. Please subscribe. It's at The Recap. Now, this is a strange thing. If you type in The Recap, it doesn't pop up automatically, obviously, because it's a new podcast. But if you type in my name, Wayman, W-A-Y-M-O-N, it'll pop right to the top. Check that out. Subscribe. And anytime I put out a new podcast, it's going to be on your device, ready to go. Outside of that, check out my website at therecap.net or hit me up on Twitter at my name, waymanwilkerson.com. Again, I'll come back next week. And uh, again, depending on how my time shakes out, may cover just the first two games or wait to the end of the week and cover all of those games. Until then, enjoy the games, be awesome to one another, and go Team USA. Later. Later.